Welcome to Base Space. A crypto podcast. Base Space. Everyone, welcome to the Base Space. Uh, for those that are new, this is a crypto podcast hosted by myself, the Crypto Mewtwo. Also joined by my two co-hosts, Chase Coins and Super High. And we focus on creating opportunities for growth, networking, and education in the crypto industry. Today, today we have the honor of having Luke Mulks, VP of Operations for Brave, which is building the basic attention token. Welcome to the show, Luke. We're pumped to have you on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate the opportunity to uh, meet you all and, and, and say hi to everybody. Yeah, oh, the pleasure's yeah. ours. Absolutely. No, we're pumped. We're pumped to have you on. We were we were talking earlier. I think <laughs> we know so many people that are that are using the Brave browser. You know, it's it's gone uh, not mainstream, but I guess for like crypto enthusiasts, like so many so many users are, are already tapping into into it. It, it's kind of surreal, man. Like I've, I joined here, uh, Brave. I started working with Brave back in March of 2016. So like, I think we had like less than 50,000 users at the time and, and seeing it just grow has just been awesome. Like, and, and uh, people discovering it now too, especially like seeing how far we've come and like how much farther we want to go with this too. So it's, it's pretty, it's an exciting time. Like. No, no, abs- absolutely. Like, what what even like got you interested in working for Brave? Like, were you working in Web two before and made the the leap to Web three? Like, what's what's your journey been like? Yeah, so this is this kind of interesting. Like, I was uh, I, I had worked in print publishing and then I did uh, startups and and I was working in kind of the belly of the beast of like the digital advertising space. And so I worked for a company called OEO and we were basically like this small agency that was in between big media companies and all the advertising companies. And so we did a lot of work with Google and all the other ad stacks, but then we did work with like the NFL and with a lot of the big media companies. And so basically I saw like how from like 2011 to like 20, you know, 16, just Google basically come in and just like eat everybody's lunch. But then also, like saw how really bad the tracking got and like how much privacy got invaded. And then I saw what Brave was doing. Like just, I, I was following our, uh, our chief infosec officer, Jan Zhu on Twitter. She's a B crypt on Twitter. And uh, she put out a spec that they were working on for a way to like reward content creators and publishers with Bitcoin at the time. And, uh, and, and it had an advertising element to it. And then I was like, whoa, this is different. This is kind of constructive and um, it's looking for like new ways to tweak the model. And instead of just kind of getting around people that are ad blocking and showing them ads and stuff. And so then I saw Brendan Ike was in charge and I was like, okay, this is a game on let's, let's start talking to him. And then yeah, started working with them and came on, I think was like the 13th or 14th full-time employee that came on before the end of the year. And then we started working on the bat white paper, like right away. Wow, man. That's epic. How many employees did you say you had now? Oh, this was back in, this was early days. I think I was like the 13th or 14th. And I think that the org like brave will have, I think if I heard correctly, we'll be at 200 employees by mid June, I think, or something like that, or the end of this month, maybe like, but it's grown a lot, like a lot. 
Let's go, man. That's that's so dope. Yeah, it's it's really really cool to see like how many jobs Web three is providing, right? And uh, and the space is just continuing to grow. And so, like, I I encourage everyone in the audience listening, whether it's Spotify, YouTube, like these companies are rapidly growing and scaling, and there's so much room to to just jump right into the space. Um, so, Luke, I don't know if you have any suggestions for the audience around like, hey, like. Because we get, we get questions all the time, like how to get started in Web3, right? Or how to get a job. I don't know if you have any tips. Yeah, I totally. I totally do. Like just start digging in. I mean, like start start going and in, in, in participating in communities, start using the technology. Like the thing is, like when, when I started here, you know, I came from like the advertising world and, and I was kind of, you know, really familiar with that. And I had some Bitcoin, but like I wasn't like, you know, really versed very well in any of this. And the best way you learn is kind of by immersing yourself in all of this. And, um, you know, this space is growing so fast that, I mean, now they're starting to get curriculum in colleges around it, but, you know, this is a very new thing. Um, And you're going to be leaps and bounds ahead of people. The more that you use the technology, like the more that you kind of dig into like how it works and you get to know the teams, et cetera. But like, for example, like I have a team of about like nine people um, in the company and like over 60% of those people came to us through the community like because they saw what we were doing and they they like they felt the mission and they wanted to be part of it and they just were willing to just kind of jump in with both feet and they they all started kind of on the community side and then we worked with them on kind of developing career tracks that were good with their backgrounds and then you know the rest is kind of history and so you know there's still a lot of opportunities like that in the space i think it's just the space is so big and so new that there are a lot of people that are experts in certain areas but no one person is an expert in all of it and if somebody's claiming they are they're just completely full of it because this place is moving so fast it's hard to keep up with it so i think that like best advice i could give would be to like you know just get involved and like most of the time you know there are so many engineers and so many people that are like really versed in you know technical things that like a lot of normal functions that businesses rely on are are not really served very well so like if people are familiar in marketing or like business side of things or like other areas like these companies are looking to hire folks that can help fill things out because you know the space goes from being very willy willy wonka ish where it's like okay all these white papers and all these different things and really cool ideas or whatever to like okay now we've got money how do we like turn this into a business that can scale and um you know you need people that are versed in doing that to to make that happen so we're starting to see things shift like that i mean let me just put this in perspective right like uh, back in 2018 i went to east denver um with with a bunch of my team and and they were giving out these bumper stickers that basically said like cryptocurrency is not a crime. Like that's where the that's where the zeitgeist was with this stuff. It was like, you know, crypto was like black hoodies and, you know, Silk Road and is it gonna be illegal or not? And then, you know, fast forward to twenty twenty two and you have the president of the United States giving executive orders around cryptocurrency and you've got, you know, the Treasury Secretary talking about how there are, you know, fundamental cases where this can add value to the economy, blah, 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 to banking, et cetera, right? Like, it's a different time, and it's a different game now, and, like, it, you're you're going to learn the fastest by doing with it. Yeah, and also, um, Luke, are you guys globally distributed? So it, you, it doesn't matter where you're at in the world, and you can uh, apply and come on board? 
Yeah, and that's one of the things that it's been like that from the beginning too. Because like when we started, I mean, all of our all of our code or still is is all open source, right? So a lot of the best talent we got is from GitHub. Like people just contributing to GitHub or people coming in through like Community.brave or Reddit or whatever. Um, and and we're we're still very globally distributed. Like uh, we actually like our headquarters in San Francisco, but then when COVID hit, we kind of downsized our headquarters and like pretty much almost everybody's working remotely now. So, um, you know, th that's the other cool thing about this company, but a lot of other companies too, is that the globally distributed, you can work wherever you want. Yeah, that's, that's huge. I, uh, I second every, a lot of the things that you just said, I, I just recently got a job at Chainlink Labs and, um, yeah, fully global, fully remote. And so many of the employees, right, are just basically advocates that were, you know, within the community, um, are super passionate about the project and, um, I think that that's the that's the future, man. That's that's the way to go. It's like tap into these people in your community that already love what they're doing. Like they already just love promoting and and supporting and building. And we we started the base space, I guess, over a year ago at this point, you know, contributing education and so forth. And that's that's what got their attention. Right. In terms of um, helping me get into the space. And we see that with so many other individuals on Twitter, too. They start up their own NFT project or they're starting to learn to code at different hackathons and workshops and they they bootstrap something and someone notices what they're doing. So, yeah, guys, just honestly keep building and uh, you'll, you'll get the attention of of these companies. Like curiosity and drive and like motivation and kind of passion are those things where, you know, you're not going to get that from recruiters, you know, you're not going to get it from folks that are, are just kind of like not familiar with what the company is before they apply to the job. Right. Like, like this is stuff that's like, especially in this space where it's so volatile and you have to really love it. And, uh, and luckily it's easy to love because, you know, it's so disruptive and, uh, and, you know, this is game changing stuff. I mean, I think this is the other thing that people don't realize, or maybe people realize it and they don't take it for granted, but like, like I gave a talk about this, like at East Denver this year, where, you know, if you look at what's happened to, you know, the general population and like, you know, and inflation's bad and, and all this stuff, but like, you know, the power has really gone down to the hands of the people and, and it's gone into like concentrated hands of few. And um, this technology is like helping to open up a whole world to people who wouldn't have access to financial markets or wouldn't have kind of control over their own financial destiny and just on first principles, right? Like the fundamentals of what we're all doing here are much more user first than, you know, the normally the traditional economy, right? Like, and, and so you can have, if you can find the right thing that hits and, and scales, it can be a massive disruptor. And like, people start to realize, wait a minute, like I should be not getting, you know, taxed or, or fees for this. Like I should actually be earning for being a part of the system. Like that's a huge paradigm shift and like that's what i'm so stoked about this space in general but also with like the companies that are taking traction the projects that are taking traction it's like you have the opportunity to kind of flip the script and uh and and you know it, it's interesting watching the financial sector kind of react to this as they learn more and more about it for sure yeah and just to add on to the job section for anybody that's listening um honestly there's not enough devs out there right now and there's a ton of free resources on how to code smart contracts, how to learn Solidity, Python, Hardhat, Truffle, all these tools and frameworks. And like the information is right there in front of you. So if you like don't know where to start. That could be one avenue, um, you know, rather than marketing or business development or any of those other ones. And there's a ton of free resources out there. So.
Hey, look, I think that was like a good segue on what you're talking about um, for the listeners that may be tuning in on Spotify or with this live who may not know what Brave is. Could you kind of touch at a high level overview of what Brave is? Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, so I mean, like, kind of the thirty thousand foot view, right? Like, Brave is kind of starts off as being like a user first kind of gateway to Web three, and what I mean by that is like. If you look at how it starts with a browser, right? Like if you look at how big tech has kind of eaten the browser space and, and what they've done is basically turn browsing on the web into a thing where you are sacrificing your right to privacy in order to have an open web, right? Which is fundamentally you know, not how it should work. Like you go to a website, you shouldn't have to have like, you know, 10 to 40 to 200 companies collecting information about you just so you can have the privilege of going to the website, right? Like, and so what Brave started doing, and, and, and also the problem with this is that all the incentives are aligned in the wrong direction. Like having worked in the advertising side, especially when programmatic advertising and like data warehousing and all this stuff started to become really huge business, all the incentives were aligned in collecting as much data as possible. And there wasn't really any incentive for a company to come to the market and bring in a new model that didn't collect any data and and or, or didn't collect any information about the user, right? Like, and so what Brave does is Brave says, okay, look, like we can create a new future here, a new way of of generating value and and, and revenue for creators, and 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 but we're also going to include the user. We're going to make the user first. The user is priority one at Brave, like even down to the business model where you know Brave block all the bad stuff that would track you across the web by default. And then with, with our token, BAT, we basically like allow users to opt in and earn BAT for their attention. So you earn by like viewing private advertising and we created a whole new model for this that basically like serves ads on you. It's almost like putting an ad server like on your phone. So your information never leaks from your device. Like, and, and then we use uh, zero knowledge proofs to like basically report on events that happen from your device. So it's not it's it's not linked to you individually as a user. And so we started with advertising with this and, and we give the user 70 percent of the revenue for the ads that they view. And then we have you know verified creators that you know verify to accept that and users can automatically contribute to those creators or they can tip them or you know users can even just hold that if they want. And and basically it was kind of like our entry point was like trying to solve some really hard problems. And one was like around you know privacy and advertising, which we've been able to prove you know we grew this from you know basically like zero into like a multi-million dollar month business um you know over a few years and uh and we've got over you know one almost one and a half million content creators have verified with our platform to accept that so these are like bigger numbers and you know brave's got like 55 million uh, monthly active users globally so i mean like we see ourselves like in the we were able to kind of scale up and, and have over 10 million users that have opted in to earn bat from viewing private advertising and brave. Like we've made that process easy enough for 10 million people to do and in a couple of clicks. Right. And so what we're trying to do now is uh, apply that, those kinds of, of, of ease of use and convenience principles to kind of getting the world connected to crypto. So like we have a new wallet that we introduced in November, the brave wallet, it's a native browser wallet. It's a uh, main at Ethereum, but we support any EVM compatible chain. And like just today, we, we, we just added support for Solana, which we'll be adding DAP support for that later. But the point being is that like, if we can apply the learnings that we've got to, to bring, you know, 
two to three click passive crypto earning to like self custody with crypto wallets and, and kind of bring that closer to traditional payments for people like that's scaling this in a way that like nobody's really done before. Right. Like we're, we're, we're going after people that have been crypto in crypto for a long time, but we're also going after like everybody that's curious about crypto. Right. Like, and, and, and trying to kind of like demystify this for people um, and get, you know, the next, you know, 500 million billion people into this. Cause we're, I mean, we're at 55 million monthly active users now, but we've scaled our growth like we've 2x'd every year for the past five years in a row. So, like, you know, we last year our target was like, you know, getting to 50 million. Now we're targeting 100 million, right? And and you know, so we're we're not slowing down, right? Like, and we want to just bring crypto to everybody, but with with user first principles too. Like, we we want to make sure the users included. We want to keep their priorities first, like, and we want to make sure that they're protected, like by by default and brave. I love that. And there's a lot to unpack there. And it's, it's just, it's such an interesting model um, in which this technology allows to exist in this transition from the web two world. And you had kind of touched on that. So there's, there's three parties when it comes to the bat ecosystem, from my understanding, you have the user, the publisher and the advertiser. And you had, you had kind of touched on um, and feel free if I, if I miss anyone, uh, feel free to add that in, but you had kind of touched on about the onboarding process from a user perspective, you have 10 million, um, you know, you just download the browser and you kind of plug and play. What I'm curious, like, what does the onboarding process look like from a like um, B2B perspective, I guess, if you will? Like, how how are you guys onboarding publishers or advertisers, and what does that kind of process look like at scale? Yeah, no, that's that's a great that's a great question, and and this is like this is kind of a, an evolving process too, because I think when you're looking at this from the perspective where we're at, where it's like, okay. We spent two plus years just banging on the doors of every major publisher trying to get them to like get into this. And you really got to make it easy for them to say yes. And so what we started doing was like we kind of looked at how AdSense would get publishers on board and, and we started to also like diversify. So like in the beginning in the beginning you had to, a publisher quote unquote publisher was like a website owner. So we would verify, we'd have you like modify text record on your site or, or like do something to prove that you owned your site. Right. And then we evolved that out to include YouTube creators. So we, we could use your, you could use your OAuth to verify your ownership with us uh, from your YouTube account. And then we, we went a little more ham with it. Like we, we started adding, you know, uh, if you have a Reddit handle or if you're a GitHub contributor, or, or you have a GitHub account, you know, you can, you can verify your GitHub account. You can verify uh, Vimeo, uh, Twitch. Uh, I think that, you know, yeah, Twitter, I think it's a Twitter too. So like and anybody could, that's creating content, right? Like could verify uh, from these big channels. And then we started integrating like inline tipping in the browser. So you could tip people directly from within Twitter and brave and, and all of that. But for them, it's a fairly, trivial process to basically like, you know, either OAuth or modify text trigger if you have a hosted domain or something. And then the second piece of that is kind of uh, on, on payouts. Right. And so, cause we're kind of like having to deal with both balancing uh, being regulatory compliant with, uh, with, with also not holding people's data. Like we have custodial partners that, you know, if you want to get settled out, you can go through a partner who will run all the compliance checks and make sure that we're not like, you know, people aren't funneling money in to go 
go to like, you know, some terrorist group or something like that. We, we, we've always had to be a little more pragmatic than most on this because like, just to put it in perspective, like our token sale was in May 31st of 2017. And like none of the regulators really had said anything until July of that year. So like we were so early that, uh, and we were also a company that had a product in market before, um, before we did our token, which was a really rare thing. Um, but anyway, like, so we try to make it easy for creators. Like if you're a creator, you can verify any of these channels with us and start earning VAT from our users. And then for advertisers, it was, a, it was another, it was a similar problem, right? We're, we're, we're like, okay, we've got to make it easy. Um, you got to assume that accounting and legal and finance with these advertisers do not understand crypto. They think it's something that it isn't. And, you know, how do you make it easy for them? So what we started doing was saying, okay, you can buy campaigns in BAT or, or token, or you can buy in USD. And then what we'll do is when we get paid for the advertising, we'll basically buy BAT back uh, from the market and then we'll, for the 70% of the revenue share, and then we'll re redistribute that back to the users. So um, you got to make it easy for the players to that want to get involved to get involved. And then uh, as you go, you kind of iterate and, and then uh, the, the whole space matures too, right? So like, how does it scale, right? I think that, you know, we're looking at ways to change up the game a little bit now that NFTs are a thing and that there's a lot of utility and other value that NFTs can bring uh, to the ecosystem. So there's a lot of focus on that from the creator side. There's a lot of focus on that even from the advertiser side, like ways to you could do like media credits for campaigns with uh, NFTs where they're basically buying and holding an NFT that's worth a certain amount of media value and they can cash it in or redeem it for, for ad space, et cetera. Um, and then, you know, like what we started to also see aside from like the white paper plans were people that had, were holding bat, were starting to use it in different ways in the market. So like when DeFi started to become a thing, um, you know, MakerDAO, Compound, a lot of the early, early uh, DeFi protocols started to add BAT as an asset that was supported. And so the market kind of created this secondary utility for BAT through DeFi. So like we're sampling from some of that, like with the wallet work we're doing now on like, okay, like how can we add in some like auto earning features that use some DeFi? So if you're holding BAT, you can basically start to earn, you know, a yield on that in, in your wallet, things like that. And then another area started to pop up around NFTs where, you know, like OpenSea made it so that, you know, ERC-20 tokens could be used to buy uh, NFTs. And and so BAT was one of the ones that was supported there pretty early. And so like we, we made an announcement today um, that, you know, the first step of the Solana integration is basically done and we're working on DAP expiration, but like we uh, are partnering with Magic Eden where you can actually buy NFTs on Solana with BAT um, through Magic Eden. So like there's a whole slew of things. Like if it's on your device, if it's in front of your face, it's part of the attention economy. And if it's, you know, a chain that supports wrapping BAT, like, and there's cross-chain utility potential, like we're a multi-chain wallet. Like we want BAT to fly wherever it can. And, uh, and we want to start to keep supporting different utility cases for bat um because like on ethereum for example like we're like the 11th most distributed token on uh, on chain by on chain holders on etherscan and we haven't done any like you know gamey airdrops or anything like that like that's just off of the utility and, and off of like people holding bat you know and so you know it's no small thing like um and it's a mission that we're kind of we're, we're glad we have like it's one of those ones with crypto where it's not necessarily like a very financially driven model it's a little bit different and and one of the funny things is that like through this bull run and the previous one where you start to have your neighbors talking to you about this stuff like i had neighbors that were like yeah you know like 
I have a hard time wrapping my head around this stuff, but with you guys, I get it. You guys have a browser. I'm earning the crypto from using the browser. I kind of get that. And I think that the space needs more of those things, like more utility cases. But I think we're starting to see it. And I think we're starting to see it with NFTs too. But anyway, long story short, like that's the long-winded answer to your question. Hope that helps. Yeah, no, that, that, that's, a, that, that's a good response. I'm curious, like, you really kind of touched on the publisher part and the user, the user part, like the, the value prop for a user um, is pretty apparent. And I think that's pretty apparent just by the amount of active users you guys currently have. And with publishers, it gives publishers an option to basically open up additional revenue streams. Um, and so I'm curious, like when you're approaching advertisers, what is kind of like the direct kind of like uh, elevator pitch that you guys are giving to them? Um, like I, I know, I think on your website, you guys talk about how it's like better targeting, but I'm curious, like how, how is it better targeting for advertisers for um, your users? Yeah, yeah, happy to happy to kind of expand on that. So, um, and, and it's funny because like some of the the easier sales have been with advertisers, but I I was like kind of helped to bring this to market too. So like going in really early was much more difficult back then. But we were we were kind of lucky in that we were early on privacy because GDPR came out after we had already started. So um, you know when we first started having these meetings with advertisers, they really would look at us sideways and wonder what we're doing, talking to them about privacy and advertising. Um, but as GDPR started to land and people started to get educated around, oh, wow, these privacy regulations actually are like, you know, laws and we have to start paying attention to them. Um, we started getting more and more attention. But what we started to do was say, look, like if I'm trying to buy Nikes or, or somebody's trying to buy Nikes, like I don't have to know everything that they're doing when they're on the web. Like I don't want to know all that. Like the browser knows what you're doing. The browser has your history. The browser has your bookmarks. The browser knows how much time you're spending like on your device, all of those things, right? Like instead of creating, you know, algorithms to match advertising or target people like from a cloud, what if we just like put all of the ad matching on the device that the user is using? So the user, it's almost like having kind of like an autonomous car, like your, 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 your users kind of like autopiloting around. And as they hit certain pages or, or, you know, with, with certain, you know, types of content, or if they have these intent patterns that they're doing, like the browser just locally will match an available ad to them. And so what you end up doing is you get like a much closer match on things that, that you you would outside of uh, Brave where you ha are dealing with like little bits of data that, that are getting s shared across a bunch of different parties and get diluted and everybody becomes part of like group A or B. Whereas with our model, it's like, no, like if we blind ourselves and everybody else to like who the users are specifically, then like what you can start to do is like people can, the browser can actually do the heavy lifting for you, which is the browsers are great for doing that. Like the, the browser has all of your local information on it. It's a full profile, right? So like from our side was like, okay, how do you do this? How do you match these ads? And what we do is we basically send a catalog down that updates, you know, every hour or two with all the available ads and it's all compressed down. So it's not like super heavy or anything. Um, and then as the, as the browser, as you're using browsing, using a browser, um, there's like local machine learning on the device that basically will check what you're browsing and then match what's there. And none of your data leaves the device. So Brave doesn't know who you are. Like Brave doesn't know what you're browsing. Um, it's all sent back. The events are sent back like using zero knowledge proofs so that, you know, you're separated from what you're doing with this. And for an advertiser, what we started to do with them is say like, look, like your audience is getting, you know, the, every time we grow, 
you're missing out on users that you used to be able to target, right? Like if you're not, you're, if users are on Brave, they're not seeing programmatic advertising, like because Brave blocks all of that, you know, for privacy, right? Like, and so if you want to start to reach this kind of unreachable audience, like our ad platform can do that with you. But like we put even a more laser focus on it. Like if you get to the brass tacks of it, it's like, look, can I sell Nike shoes to people? Do I know that if I put a hundred dollars into this thing that I'm getting an output that's worthwhile, right? And so what we started to focus on was like proving ROI to advertisers. So like, can we can we give the advertisers, you know, enough information to where they're confident that they are happy and continually happy with spending on our platform? And some of these things are, you know, they grow over time, right? Like your 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 first audience is your first audience, right? So like ours would be, you know, majority males that would probably listen to Joe Rogan or something, right? Like, and, and so you find brands that would match that. But the other thing that was a big differentiator for us too, is that, you know, back in 2019, when we launched, um, crypto advertising was banned by a lot of these advertising platforms. Like you couldn't advertise it on Facebook or Google or uh, some of these other services. So we went out and we said, look, we're a crypto company. Like we've been into crypto forever. Like as long as we've been a company, um, it, you know, we are happy to advertise crypto companies. We want to see the industry grow. And so when we started doing that, like uh, our advertising audience was like hugely into crypto. And so a lot of startups in the crypto space became huge, like, and started to like base their growth strategy around users and brave. And then they grew out beyond that. But like um, we've been able to kind of like help grow the industry, but also kind of, you know, give people something they've been missing and realistically it's like if people the performance is the performance right like you're either helping the advertiser get what they want the advertiser doesn't care about having all that data like to be honest like a lot of them do not want it because it's become a big liability for them and so like for us it's like we're solving a bunch of problems for an advertiser as long as we can prove the performance for them and sometimes it's like look we will not be able, you know, when we hear a certain amount of users, then we can sell Maybelline or, or we can sell something else that, that, you know, is part of our audience now. But in the beginning, it's like really kind of trying to find which brands are probably going to do well with our audience, which is tricky because Brave does not track our users. So like growth and, and, and figuring out who our user base is, is not an easy thing for us to do because normally companies have a lot of information on their users. We don't have any, like our whole bit is that like, we do not want to know who you are because if something were to happen, like, let's say, you know, a government came in and confiscated our servers or we had a breach or something like that. Like we want to have that layer of deniability between us and our users because we're a privacy company. We don't want to know who our users are. So for us, the challenge has always been kind of like balancing out, like, okay, the advertising and marketing world does not care about as much privacy as, as we do. Like, how can we want to educate them? But like, realistically, if we don't build something that performs for advertisers, they're not going to spend their money with us. So like a lot of time spent with engineers, and like uh, engineering teams on like getting the models to work. And then also we brought on sales team that like started to give us feedback from advertisers for what they wanted. And we built it out to where like an advertiser can target like a category, like, you know, sports or whatever, but they can also target like intent categories. So like if, if it looks like a user is intending to buy a car, like you can target a automotive intent segment, or you could just target people that have a general interest in cars. So like a lot of, and we, we hired a bunch of people that were like veterans from advertising that wanted to make it better. And so, you know, th that's been kind of the approach with advertisers for us. It's always been like, look, like 
you're going to hit an audience that you're you're that's getting smaller and smaller outside of brave every year uh that we're getting bigger and bigger um you can reach them through us and then also like we're going to show you that you're getting your value for what you put into it yeah that's um that sparked an interesting thought question i had um last question for me and i want to pass over to super who's going to talk about some of the products but taste go for it yeah uh Look, I'm just kind of curious, like, what, what does the intake process look like for advertisers? Um, is there any sort of checks and balance on, you know, determining if this is a, uh, like, a good actor versus a bad actor and the type of content that they're uploading to advertise? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we, we basically handle it like a managed service. We're working on a self-serve platform too, but uh, that's a great question too. Like uh, one of the big risks factors of having an ad platform is the fact that bad actors will go on there and try to scam people or, you know, do things to kind of hurt your brand reputation. For us, it's always been an added factor that we have a token and, uh, you know, sometimes people like to FUD the token or whatever. Um, so for us, it's it's been like, it, there's extra pressure on us too, because uh, users put a level of trust in what we're doing as a privacy company that's kind of looking out for users first. Um, so what we do is like we have different processes and policies for certain things. So for example, like for crypto advertising, um, you know, we, we've created a process around how we vet crypto advertisers that kind of a bit of it digs into like, okay, uh, making sure that one, like there's certain criteria that the, the projects meet that, you know, we can, we can, if we have to like reach out to them, we can find them like that. They're not advertising scams basically like, which can be a bunch of different things. Um, but the, you know, there's just checks, checks and balances in place around that. But also like we, we wanted to be able to advertise CBD products. Right. So we spent a lot of time with legal around like, okay, let's create some guidelines and a process around that. And, and what, what can we do? What, what do we need to do with the product to make sure that we can do that? Um, so there's that end of it where you're kind of scoping out like, okay, these are the policies that we have around what we're advertising. The other end of it is around like kind of vetting what comes into the system. So we put some things in place, like some, it was, it was basic stuff initially and most of the internet's adopted it now, but like, you know, making sure that everything uses HTTPS and that HTTPS is the only protocol we're like allowing with the ads, making sure the ad copy is not misleading, you know, just doing checks and balances on every step of the way, because um, what we've seen, we've even seen this where like some advertisers will want to change something mid-flight into something that we would not normally approve. So like, we'll, we'll check that and, and then, you know, let them know or whatever. But um, we also started to add another ad unit, like when we went to market called the sponsored image and we kind of show that ad unit to everybody. And then it's a way for us to let people know, Hey, you know, you could be earning that by opting into rewards when you view this thing. But it changed the dynamic too, because if you look in Brave and you open a new tab um, in the browser, every fourth image is like a sponsored image, and users can opt out of this if they want to too. Um, but uh, but what we it was a challenge because you know you want to make an image that fits with the design of and fits with the feel of the browser and isn't too all over the place. So we have separate processes for all this stuff, um, and and we've also started to game plan out like when you go to self serve, like how are you going to kind of uh, uh, how are you going to guardrail this like and and there will always be some 
human element to it because you know as good as these algorithms get like they're they misfire all the time right like and for us it's like super important to not tarnish our brand and like and not to hurt the the trust we have with our users or or you know make it seem like we're stepping on them at all so like the amount of things we've turned away it's a mint there's a lot of money we've turned away like for different reasons like sometimes you know, a brand wants us to whitelist certain tracking things for them, which we'll never do. In other cases, it's like, uh, you know, like some really scammy, like ICO types of things or, or other stuff that's just like, you know, it's not, you know, it's pretty foobar, you know, you're not going to run it. So like, we have to be extra careful with that stuff. But I think, you know, there's other stuff that we also just don't advertise. Like we, we don't run political advertising. Uh, we don't run pharmaceutical advertising, like stuff where it's like, okay, here's a real opportunity to like kind of reform advertising and make it like, I don't think people have a huge opposition against good advertising, but I feel like advertising has been so exploitive and exploitative that like it leaves a bad taste in everybody's mouth. So like, what would you start to do if you wanted to make that a better system? And so we started to tackle it like this and you know, it's an ongoing thing, but, um, but it's something we put a lot of effort into. Hey, Luke, I, I know we're running a little low on time, so I just wanted to go ahead and hit some of the products with you. Um, so with the Brave wallet, right, what are some of the security risks within the wallet, right? Like, could the website potentially go down and users not be able to access their funds? Or you know, how, does Brave never go down? What's kind of the process on that? Yeah, so so the big difference between the Brave Wallet and other wallets is that it's a it's a native wallet, so it's in the browser code, right? So as long as your browser is opening and you have your keys to get in, you can get in. Um, what the the benefits of that is that you know a lot of times people will go and try and find an extension in the extension store, and, and this happened even with MetaMask from time to time again, where like somebody accidentally installs the wrong extension, um, or you know it, it kind of keeps you more there's more risk level there. Um, but from our side too, like our security team has put some pretty tight requirements around like what can go in and work with the wallet and what can't. So uh, so I think with us it's it's more a matter of like you know there are pretty tight security restrictions and it's natively in the browser. So um, people, if you think about it, people trust their credit cards with their web browsers already, like e-commerce, like over 90% of people in the browser are making e-commerce transactions. And a lot of them are saving their credit card in their their browser wallet. So we're kind of just taking that concept to crypto and making it easier, basically. Perfect. I I think that's a really good segue into y'all's VPN and, um, and firewall. So could you also go into like uh, the security of your VPN and kind of versus other VPN providers? Yeah, that's a great question. Like it's, it's an area where like our CEO down have been really like conscious around this because VPNs can, there's a lot of trash fire and VPN markets, right? Like sometimes, you know, if it's a free thing, you never know what they're doing with your data or, you know, co-opted or whatever. So like what we did with this was we, we looked for a really good partner that we, uh, that, that had the security chops and like integrity to be somebody that we would work with. And so we worked with this company, uh, guardian, uh, VPN. They basically like are some really, really smart security researchers that, uh, that built this company. And what we did was with iOS, which was the first, 
first operating system we introduced it with, um, you know, you pay a monthly fee or you pay an annual fee, right? Like, but what we did is we extended the protection outside of just a browser. So like, not only like you have like this ad blocking tracking protection inside of Brave, but like you, we extend that protection to all the other apps that you're using on your phone. Um, and so we just launched Android today. It's a similar deal. Um, and then we're working on the desktop VPN too. That'll be, it'll be a similar, similar type of deal um, when we bring that to market. Awesome. Very, very cool. I just want to hit one last question and it's kind of um, more of like a, a personal question. So Brave's really sort out, like build out this huge multimedia platform as well, because you can do like Brave Talk, which is like Zoom. You know, you can watch all your favorite streaming platforms, Twitch, YouTube, Vimeo, et cetera, uh, et cetera. You've got your wallet. You know, you can interact with the DeFi and whatnot. Do you see Brave kind of overtaking these traditional browsers, you know, in the coming years? I think it's our market to take, right? Like, um, I think that we are the only user first browser and platform like that has the ethos to go straight after web three. Like we're not like, uh, uh, you know, other browsers are starting to dabble with this. Like opera has like a crypto wallet, but they also like kind of bucket it as a crypto browser, like a whole separate app. Like we are very much not that like we are integrating this stuff like in our released browser and we're making it so that if you don't want to deal with it, you don't have to, but like, if you want to, here's what the cutting edge of the stuff can start to look like. And here's how we can kind of support it from, you know, the platform level, which means sometimes like stepping back and like, and then the one thing that's kind of really stood out to me, like working in the browser space, because I never worked in the browser space before I came to brave was that like with browsers, it's like, you have to make something that you want to use that your brother wants to use that your grandma will use that everybody will use. Right. So like, when we're looking at things like a wallet or like Web3, it's like, how can you allow for protocols and for things to work um, and support them and make money where you can um, without getting too far into overthinking it? Because like this space moves so fast, like the position I have now, I'm like, look, like support just give provide support for the different areas in crypto and then let the market do the rest of the work and then pick up what you can pick up from the market along the way. Like, it, because by the realistically, if we went all ham on DeFi, like by the time what we are developing gets into market, that's so specialized in DeFi, like everybody's focusing on NFTs and nobody's really focusing on DeFi. So what you want to do is you want to make sure that you have like basic support for all of these things and that you kind of get out of the way because in this space, it moves so fast that like the market does a lot of the decision making for you because it's kind of a really pure market as far as like, you know, market dynamics work. And so what we do is we step back a little bit, but we also like just offering support for these things is like a revolutionary thing right now. And so, you know, we we're, we're really looking at like, how can we also take crypto to the next level where it's like, look, yeah, you can have NFTs, you can have like DeFi, but like, how can you start to like use NFTs? NFTs and a browsing experience like with utility. So for a creator, like, oh, maybe we'll make subscription passes. Like having an NFT is like a bearer token, right? So if I have, you know, I don't know, uh, uh, NFT from, I don't know, I'm just, uh, any creator, right? Like I can go access their content. If they had to do something in real life, I, if I have the NFT, I can go access that, um, you know, et cetera. They can, you know, airdrop me something. Like how are ways that we can make the novel things about crypto really sing and when you look at something like nfts 
it's a multi-purpose media unit. You can put content in it. You can have it grant access to things. You can, you know, it, it's proof of some authenticity. Like there's all these things that are great about them. And like, you can cater, you know, to all of them. And, but with us, it's like, let's not go overboard on making the world's best NFT creator marketplace. Let's support creators. Like let's support marketplaces. And like, maybe the best thing for a browser to do is really specialize in aggregating nfts and nft discovery because it's a it's a horrible thing right now like it's hard to find anything you know new in nfts unless you're really immersed in it so like as a browser with a search engine like if the narrative is going towards web three like everything web three should just work in the search engine right like like so if you're going to look at a token price like we should be able to pull the ticker for you or you know if you're starting to look for dApps like you, we should be able to surface you know the equivalent of a dap radar in the search results so like the things that are helping people to get information because it's all so important right now where so much of this is education and then all the last thing i'll say is like like user experience like as much as you want to support every little bell and whistle like if we can really nail it and make it really easy for people to buy crypto with as a self-custodial wallet like it sounds really dumb like a dumbed down goal but it's such an overlooked goal in this space that like i can count on one hand how many companies are doing this really well right now and if you can do that really well you can onboard millions and millions of people into this thing because the other value props really stand on their own and you don't have to oversell to somebody if i can say hey like you've got like you know a thousand bucks well, if that's a thousand US dollars, like you're gonna make like less than one percent in some high yield savings account and the bank's gonna charge you for that or make you have some minimum. Or you can take, you know, ten thousand dollars, like put it into a stable and uh, earn, you know, five to ten percent. Right. Like, uh, uh, which one are you going to do? Like people want to make money. Right. Like, and so, you know, that's stuff the market can do. Like if we can support that, like the ability to do that safely, like from the platform level, we're winning. If we can get people to like change their lives, like in a good way because of this, and we can keep people protected, like we're winning. Like that's what we want to do. Like user first, right. Like in, in bringing this to web three, where I think like the other thing that, that really gets overlooked is that, you have all these web three dApps, but like what I started noticing is that a lot of them are integrating like these web two tracking stacks into them. So it's like the thing that brave has that other browsers and other platforms don't necessarily have is that, that baseline protection where we're saying like, look, you're a user first. That means that we are keeping people out of your business. Like, because the problem is, is that if you start integrating all these like web two tracking, you know, the Google stack into your web three DAP for some reason, like all of a sudden an authority has even more information on you than you had before the person even started using crypto. Like, and it's a much clearer picture for somebody like that. So like one thing we've been talking to developers about is like, look, like, do you really need to add Google analytics? to everything like if the point is to get volume on your platform like can't you get that without like knowing every little detail about all these things that are happening like like um because realistically you're putting your users at risk because you know authorities can go in and get this information from google without you even being aware of it like so anyway like bringing those web 2 protections to web 3 and then keeping an eye out for like oh here are the emerging threats on web 3 here how can we defend against them like how can we make sure that we're providing you know the safest experience we can for people this is all super important stuff that we put a lot of time into yeah that's like I like Chase famously says, that's a lot to unpack, but you know, you hit the nail on the head. Um, 
the whatever protocol or project is putting user experience and privacy and safety first is inevitably going to win. And as well as being able to search up all these educational resources, right? Super easy. Um, it's just a win because that's like you said, who's going to onboard the most people to crypto and like eventually the whole world will be using it, whether they know they're using it or they don't know they're using it. Um, so that's really great. Exactly. Exactly. It's so infectious that it just has a way of, of, of sprawling out, you know, and, uh, and yeah, like in, in the challenge is to not create a, a worse monster than the one you're trying to defeat, you know, like, and I think that's something that the space has to get more, in tune with because like for example you know like there's this whole like l1s versus l2s blah 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 like knife fight going on which okay cool it's 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 growth and evolution in the space and everybody's got opinions but realistically you know a year or two from now um you know it'll be an sdk that's a multi-chain sdk that a developer will use to have the right chain for the right job do the right thing um in the background and the user won't even really know but we fall back into the same that we were originally in if we're not careful because you start to have it be like if the the space goes to a very much app related space where the apps win and that's not bad but like you want to make sure that we're not falling back into old habits that got us here in the first place like and that's a really hard thing to do because you have to have active people like watching this stuff and and uh luckily like you know there are a lot of privacy advocates and that's a really strong current like uh, underrated like as far as how strong it is in the space and how much the people that are in it really care about it. But I've gotten to work with a lot of them and they really do. And I think that you're starting to see something similar with finance because people that have been working in fintech for a long time, like you saw a wave of those people kind of basically create crypto, right? Like in the space we know it now. Now what I think you're starting to see is a second wave of that where people that have been industry veterans that that see what the technology can do and see the power behind it and are like, wanting to be like advocates for people in this new space. And it, it's really cool to see that. Um, and so, yeah, I think that, you know, making it easy, making, you know, at every level, trying to kind of make sure that like, you know, w crypto as, as in the macros does well, you know, and that it doesn't get, you know, overregulated in certain ways or like, you know, caught up into the Google way of doing stuff. Like, you know, these are all things that, crypto will is really good at defending too like the space is like doesn't let you get away with anything because it shouldn't and and that's one of the things i love about this space is that people are just real about everything which is really cool they're also scammers and fake a lot of time too but like that's part of the adventure like you're, you you get the good with the bad in all the extremes in crypto and that's why like even like five plus years in it's like I love this space. I love waking up every day and seeing what the next dumpster fire is or who's getting some amazing airdrop or like what, you know, new thing comes out that is totally game changing. And these things happen every week almost, you know, it's just, you have to know where to look. That's awesome. Darb, I, I think you had a question um, for Luke, didn't you? Yeah, absolutely. First off, uh, Hey, thanks for coming on. Uh, I want to preface this by saying like Brave is the only browser I do use, but I do use Firefox for one specific uh, job. So something that I've realized in my time learning Solidity is that when I was going through a boot camp last fall, we were going through Ethers JS and Web3.js and trying to use Ethernauts, for example, 
And at that time period, Brave was not connected to Ethers JS, so I wasn't able to interact with a smart contract that's loaded to a web page directly through the console within the browser. And on Firefox and Google Chrome, for example, you can do that. I was wondering if that is implemented or has plans to be in- implemented as a Web3 native browser. I feel like uh, just some clarity there. Yeah, no, that's a great, it's a great question. And it's something where like, it's one of the key things that we've had to put a lot of love and focus on is like not breaking the web because like, if you break the web, you're not going to get uh, a user on board. Right. And the web changes so fast that it becomes this moving target. Beca- and also like the more that big tech realizes, well, our money's attached to a lot of these trackers and a lot of this profiling, a lot of, they, they start to get a little more sneaky. They start to put things into dependencies where, you know, oh, well, maybe the entire video player will break because we're putting the tracker right into the video player, stuff like that, where like it requires more of a surgical touch to, to protect the user from, you know, the, the threat. Um, the similar thing with Web3 stuff, right, where, uh, you know, we have we now have like a whole team, but like one dude's whole job, he's like our, uh, like a web compat engineer and basically like we get user feedback. We have uh, uh, we have a reporting feature in the Brave Shield. So if you're in Brave, there's that Lions Head, the shield, the Lions Head icon for shields. You can actually report when a site is breaking, like it, from that feature, and that comes back to us. But also, like if people if people run into an issue with Brave where, oh, this thing doesn't work on this page, or this thing didn't work with anything, anything like any bugs like that, like let us know. Like whether it's reporting it through the product or whether it's like hitting us up on Twitter or, you know, if you're really struggling with something, just DM me. Like it's just Luke Mulks on Twitter, like DM me. Like we are, our guy will go in there and like, you know, and if it's too tricky for one person, we've got two or three other people that are doing it. Uh, Web compat fixes all the time and they're prioritized like almost over anything like minus security, right? Like, um, because if we are breaking the web, we are losing. So like we have to, you know, make sure that these things get fixed really quickly. Um, so yeah, like, and then there's the other angle with that where it's like how can we adapt our protection to like break the web less and give us even better privacy protection for our users and um pete snyder he's like our our head of privacy researcher he's come up with some ways of doing this that are pretty novel we have them on our website like on uh, brave.com slash blog like you can take a look uh he does these blog posts about it regularly but like there are ways that they've been able to kind of tweak the way that the blocking works in order to make it so that you're breaking less of the web and keeping the user privacy protected so all those things are like huge and and if anybody on this spaces or is listening to the recording or whatever, like um, runs into a site where it breaks on brave, but works somewhere else, like tell us like whether you're going to community.brave.com or you, you DM me or you, you throw an ad at me on Twitter. I don't care. Or, or hit up brave support. Like we just want to catch all those so we can get them fixed because if you're experiencing it, there's probably 10,000 other people that are too. And we don't want them to feel any of that pain. Like that's the stuff that keeps you from uh, somebody from like having you as a part-time browser to like a daily driver, right? Like, so we we really keen to fix those things when they come up. So please don't be shy. Let us know when you run into something that breaks. Love that. Yeah. Thank you. Great question, Darb. Hey, Luke, uh, towards the end of these episodes, we typically bring up maybe um, one or two community members to ask a question. Do you have time for that? Or is that okay with you? Yeah, yeah, I can do a couple. Okay. Enrique. Oh, it looks like you're so connecting. 
Yeah, I think he's connecting. Thank you again, Luke. Just while we're waiting for Enrique to connect, uh, you know, thank you for your time coming out tonight and you know speaking with us and helping inform. Thanks for having me. Sorry about all the technical snags. <laughs> I feel like we lost like several minutes, like just on the stuff not working. So I appreciate y'all having me. Oh, no worries. We were thinking we were like, oh, we wonder if he's on an Android because we had a guest on um, previously that had the same phone you have and he couldn't connect. And it was like the weirdest thing. It's so touchy go too. Cause like sometimes it's totally worked for me, but yeah, I, I, I just figured when in doubt, just restart the damn thing and, and see if it works. Hey Enrique, I don't know if you can hear me, uh, but it says you're still connecting. So in the meantime, if you just want to reset and uh, we'll bring Wade up for his question. Hey guys, how's it going? Can you hear me all right? Howdy. Yeah, we can hear. Awesome. Yep. Hey Luke and uh, the base team, thanks for having me up. First time on uh, on one of these spaces, so been pretty cool so far. Um, my question relates to kind of like the social layers that are being built, so similar to like funds protocol and these types of decentralized uh, social platform ideas that are being built. And basically my question is like, how do you see Brave interacting with these kinds of so, uh, decentralized social platforms and things like that and kind of working together to kind of create a new world in terms of decentralized social media and things like that? Yeah, that's a good question. Like, I think from our perspective, uh, the best thing we can do is step back and let these things grow and, and make sure that we're providing whether it's the right protocol support for them to grow or, you know, getting engaged with them as they're getting stood up. Um, I think that there's it, these are not small things for these emerging players to do. Like, I can tell you that working at a company that's trying to change the browser space, you're talking like, if you're successful, everybody's using it. But like getting getting that growth is really hard because people are so ingrained in using, you know, these web two social media platforms, right? So like the best thing we can do initially is like one, like help them get the word out, whether that's like, you know, us participating on them or um, you know, letting them know they can get their stuff in front of our users through, you know, our ad platform or however else we can work with them. Um, it, it's, it, I can tell you what it's not. It's not us picking a winner and putting eggs in a basket. Like that's not the approach that tends to work here. Like, because you're shutting out bigger pieces of the market and it's so early that you just want these things to start growing and you want to see what they turn into. And I think that that's the thing with startups is that, you know, even ones that intended to be something in the beginning, they tend to be like Twitter, right? Like Twitter was not what Twitter is when it first started. Right. But it, it grew to be what it is. And I think you know, the best thing we can do is like support the protocols, like give people self custody like let them do their thing and not get in the way and you know when they reach a certain scale like look how deeper we can integrate with them or what we can do like to, for developers that the space gets bigger um to let them work easier with brave than anywhere else basically so i hope that helps like we don't tend to like the thing with a platform is you want to kind of stay neutral um, with regard to a lot of these things. And a lot of these things kind of are born out of uh, um, positions that aren't necessarily neutral, right? Like, like you want to kind of, you know, support everybody. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really exciting idea. And I especially like the idea of like integrating features to kind of help uh, research things and stuff like that, rather than having, having to go to like five different sites to research prices or market caps like that. So thanks for everything. Appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thank you, Wade. Thanks for, com thanks for coming on, Wade. Yeah, looking Rick, forward to uh, you're, you're finally connected. <laughs> hey, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. All right. Yeah, you sound um, great. Well, I just wanted to say thanks a lot for, for uh, this discussion. It's uh, really um, 
you know, erudite and kind of, you know, great to see somebody who really knows their stuff at Brave. I know a few of the devs and, you know, you, you kind of represent the extremely high quality, you know, thoughtful, intelligent people that, that seem to be working at the company. Um, I don't have much of a question other than maybe, can you tell me about the VC or funding path Brave took? Because I don't know if I'm familiar with it. And I'm curious if you could disclose roughly just how many FTEs or how big the company is, if you give us a sense of that. That's, you know, I love the products, the browser, the roadmap. I mean, everything you guys have done is amazing. And I'm just kind of curious, uh, a little bit more general background about kind of some of those questions. Yeah, I think like uh, it, it's definitely not been a traditional path. Um, you know, like when I started, we it was right after we had done a uh, we had done an initial seed round with some angels, and then um, we had our kind of first VC round, like right before when I started, and and that's when like um, yeah, at the time, like I'm talking like 2016, right? Like um, like uh, I think uh, Founders Fund, Pantera, a bunch of others uh, started to invest, and this was when we had you know, Brave Rewards, as Brave Rewards knows it now, was not, like, that was not a thing yet. We were using Bitcoin and a proof of concept, um, and it was kind of like a, a browser with an ad blocker built in, right? Like, then we we get way off track and piss off a lot of the initial VCs because we did a token sale um, with that, you know, in May of 21st, or May 31st, 2017, where we raised, like, $36 million in 24 seconds and um, kind of s- slowed down Ethereum to a crawl, but like it was a different play than startups typically take, and it was a the timing thing too. Um, and it, it kind of tilted the balance a lot. Like we had a lot more independence to kind of do what we wanted, but realistically, like if you look at what makes Brave Brave, like uh, anybody that you would want to invest in this company would be smart enough to know that you're not gonna win with this by diluting the values and the principles of the company. And that's where having somebody like Brendan Ike, who is our CEO and co-founder, is is so important to have at the helm because he's like super principled, like he's built browsers from nothing, like he's basically like created JavaScript in like less than two weeks, you know, like these are people that are like strong principled, like that are not going to create a situation where you're put in a position where you can get messed around by, you know, investors or whatever. And with us, it's always been the focus on shipping functional product, right? Like, and the more of that that we can ship, the better the value we can bring to market. Um, I think, you know, now, like, uh, you know, fast forward to now and like, you know, we're, we're still, it's, we're not out there doing like VC rounds all the time and doing these things. Like we're at the point where we have multiple revenue streams coming into the browser. Like we, we are seeing where, you know, the breakout point is and, uh, and pushing forward to that, like, and we're in kind of a unique position where we, you know, have this ecosystem that we've, uh, we've grown with, you know, everybody, um, and with the token. And then we've also got, you know, a product that serves, like it, it came in when privacy hit the zeitgeist, like we were there not to debate about it, but we were there with things that worked that were private, uh, in market. Google still has not banned third-party cookies and it's 2022. Like they're still debating this, right? Like um, we have millions of people using private advertising in a product that uses crypto too. So it's like, if we can continue to like execute, like on delivering value, like the value to Brave is huge because, you know, when people saw Coinbase IPO, like their financials came out, like in the value of like a transacting crypto user is like multiples higher than what an advertising user brings. And so, you know, if we can use what we've got to, to get people activating those wallets and transacting in an ecosystem, puts them first like the value for brave is like 
huge, right? Like, um, and, and so, yeah, it's always been like a big question around like, oh, wow, I heard you guys had VCs, da, 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 da. Like, realistically, like, the people that are getting involved in this with us know that if they tamper with what we're doing, it's going to cost them because we're – the community is always the first one to give us like flack on anything or discover something like as an open source company, that's what you, you want. You want people to give you a heads up, you know, it's kind of like accepting that, you know, that humans are flawed and that software development is very flawed and that in order for this to work and with the transparency you need, you have to put stuff out there in an open way. And so, you know, I don't worry about, us getting captured like because i get this question a lot from folks say oh what if google did this or or you know what if google bought you and shelby like one like they get sued by their investors but also like you know their shareholders like but but also you don't like you the minute that we stop being user first is the minute that we lose all of our users because and rightfully so like rightfully so like we do not deserve to have you as a user if we're breaking our promises to you. Like, and, and, you know, it's the same message has only gotten more militant, the bigger we've gotten too. So um, yeah, I hope that answers the question. I'm sorry. Like some of these, sometimes I can, I can only say so much to you on some of these things because we're a private company, like on the business side too, but, um, but I hope that helps. Yeah, that was awesome. And really a lot of great background that I think some people didn't know. And I certainly didn't know, I guess, can you can you speak at all to the FTEs? Is this a 20 person team, a 200 person team, something in between? Um, and again, I really like the principled approach. I don't think, you know, you know, Google can put as much money on the table as they want. But I don't think you guys and Ike are, you know, necessarily the ethics and morals are for sale, which I think is uh, very cool. Yeah, yeah. I think, well, by the end of this month or, or mid next month, I think we're projected to hit like 200 employees, right? Like um, some of those are contractors, but like, you know, mostly it, it, it might be a contractor where we don't have an entity set up or something like, um, but, uh, but yeah, like we've grown a lot. Like, and during COVID, we, we also kind of slowed our growth too, right? Like, so um, that we had, once the, once the initial kind of first year and a half of COVID was over, it was like, okay, like, let's ramp, let's get people on, like, uh, you know, kind of weather the worst of it. And, and now we've got some catching up to do. And now even more so like that, we've got multiple products in a stack, like we're, we're, we're hiring teams to support those things and, and that we've got revenue coming in and, uh, and, and the revenue keeps going up. So, you know, I think that, uh, you know, we have, I, I, it's, it's, I'm pinching myself too because, like, you know, coming here before we even had 20 people, it was like, wow, and now it's like almost, you know, 200. So, yeah, we're, we're getting bigger. Uh, it'll get even bigger over time. And uh, but the funny thing too uh, is that you know, like, the Chrome security team for the browser is like 100 people. So, like, we've got like, you know, like as many people as we do. You know, the outputs are there, right? Like, um, it, that, but that's only because you've got people from all walks of life that all are really passionate about building a better web for people that is not exploiting them. Like, and I think that that's kind of a unifier and kind of like a catalyst to get people outputting, you know, in, in ways that they wouldn't do otherwise, because they really feel like, like, I feel like if we do something that like that steps on our, our promises to our users, I feel bad about that as a person, because like I'm out there trying to represent these things to the company and everyone that is a critic of ours is like waiting for the other shoe to drop. And so, you know, things are going to happen that are mistakes. And, and that's why it's really critical when those things happen to like be very open about what happened and like, you know, correct 
correct course as fast as you can and like show people like, look, like this is what we're doing. Like some of these things are inevitable, right? Like in software development, but like that stuff your users would expect you to do anyway. Like, especially when you care so much about the users. So, you know, I feel like that's not just the sentiment that I have either. Like you can go talk to somebody in security, talk to somebody in privacy, talk to somebody like across any department of this company. And they're all going to say like, you know, we, we, we want to build something that, you know, is, is, is better for people on the web. And like, I'm not just trying to like toot a horn here, but like realistically, like having coming from that advertising and business side of this before coming to brave, like we are getting to the point where there are very few things left to sell out. And, um, and, and that's one of the reasons why I joined this company was because I thought as one of the kind of last stand opportunities to create something new that could convince business that there's a new way of doing stuff that doesn't require, you know, all of the privacy invasion that the web had grown with. Right. So like, yeah, hope that helps. Thanks a lot. Thanks for coming on, Enrique. Luke, you have time for one more? Thank you, Enrique. I think I could do one more, but that 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 I got to cap it at one more. <laughs> <laughs> we got so many people requesting. Hey, Connor, we'll bring you up. Hey, what's up, guys? OG. What's up, awesome brother? Space. What's up, uh, glad to be back. I had a question for him. It was, I know it's been more of a crypto space, so I guess it's more like a Web two brave question. Um, with like data farming being such a monopoly and such a profitable business model, do you guys kind of see a lot of like, I don't know, suppression or kind of like a side eye from the other people in the space that this that is their business model and you're kind of coming for the throne in a more efficient way that's better for the user? Like, is there any sort of, I guess, negative outlook from like, the other web two communities that are farming data so viciously just for profit. Like do you guys have trouble, like I guess networking and growing in that space with other people doing pretty much the polar opposite of Brave's objective? It certainly has been a challenge. That's a great question to you, by the way. Like it, it's been a challenge, I think, especially early, early on with the ad platform, getting advertisers on. Sometimes you'd have people that were, uh, you know, they took it personally, like that you were blocking stuff that they required. Um, it was really hard with publishers, too, initially, because so much of the publishing world had been bought out by advertising that, um, you know, they saw that what we were just putting out there, which was just facts about how the system worked as like personal attacks or something. Um, that's changed a lot, uh, especially since GDPR came out, the privacy regulation, right? Like, um, and then, you know, Cambridge Analytica and a lot of these other things that are really kind of striking chords with people. Also, like more and more people every year are getting hit to, with data breaches and other things like that. And they start to personally feel like, you know, they need more protection. Um, and, and that doesn't matter like where you work, right? Like, uh, you know, some of these things are just fundamentals. Um, but uh, but you know, we're getting to a point now. We're not quite there yet, but we're we're by the time we hit a hundred million users, we're all of a sudden in this different cohort where like companies start to have to work with you because you're getting 
too big for them not to work with. Um, and, and we're not there yet. Like, I'm not trying to say we are, but like we're on our, we're closer to there than we were in the beginning. Um, you know, where everyone was like, just prove that you can serve and add to me without collecting all this data. Like, that's literally what it was like when we started. Like, they're like, you can't do this. This is impossible. And we're like, okay, we'll try it. Like we did it. And then we also gave people crypto reward and people thought we were crazy for giving them 70% of the revenue. But like, if you want to be a user first company, you got to be user first. Like that's been a big thing with us. And, ever since the beginning and so like you know a lot of this is like proof in the pudding like the more you prove it in the market the more that you're deliver like if you can if you write a check that your butt can't cash like everyone's gonna know it but if you start to put something out there that's real like that that stands up to what you're saying it is like then people will just gravitate for it and that's one of the things i like about here like at brave it's like we're not selling insurance like we are on a we're like a mission, you know, like, and, and that's one of the reasons why I think we have the, the loyal community that we do is because like push comes to shove, like who's looking out for you in the tech space, like, and, and who's creating alternatives to what all of these big tech companies are doing, which is a small group of companies, but with a massive amount of control, like the people, there's been no incentive to build something better that is looking out for the users. So we're doing that. And like, we're starting to see the benefits of that. Like, and you start to see where others that claim to be doing that aren't really doing that as much as you think they are right like or as much as they put themselves out there to be protecting you so like it's a it's a it's initially was a bigger challenge than it it is now but like it's something where you got to keep putting it letting people know and for us now we're at the stage where it's like look we got to get on everyone's kitchen table like we got to be in every kitchen table discussion because the value props speak for themselves if we can show you that you're saving money saving data they have a better experience like that you're earning crypto or you're doing all this stuff like great like the product will sell itself basically like but you got to get it out there and so that's we brought a cmo on in february like she's doing some really great work on getting some branding out there like for us to get bigger and bigger but like you know i'm excited to see where we go and i'm also excited that y'all had me here like um and and just so everybody knows like you know i my dms are open if y'all have any questions anytime whatever i'm happy to come back here too and give an update every once in a while like whenever you all feel like it like just hit me up and uh and i hate to cut it off but i've really got to go but uh but thank you all so much for for having me on thank you luke we really do appreciate you Thank you so much, Lou, for coming on. It's been extremely based. And thanks to all the guests uh, for coming on and speaking and asking your questions. We appreciate it. No problem. Absolutely. Thanks, Lou. Truly a base. Talk to you all later. Awesome. Stay base. Based space.